What's going on, Law Nation? Welcome to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast, your favorite place for learning about the world of alternative passive investments so that you can have more freedom, flexibility, and fun. Now, if you're ready to kick that billable hour to the curb, start by going to attorneybydesign.com to download the Freedom Blueprint, which will also get you access to opportunities to partner with us on one of our next passive real estate investments. We'd love to get you on board and help you on your way to financial freedom. Today, let's talk a little bit about mindset. What is it that separates people who get stuck in the daily grind, complain about their lives, and ultimately end up unhappy and unfulfilled? compared to those who recognize an opportunity to do something different, educate themselves, take action, and live a life fulfilled. For me, it's accountability. Accountability to themselves to stay disciplined and to make time for what's important. Accountability to others to become the father, mother, husband, wife, friend, or business partner that your loved ones deserve. Accountability by not blaming others or circumstances or politicians or the weather or whatever the flavor of the week might be. Accountability is what separates us from them. We are in control of our own destiny. We are the heroes of our own story. And we are ultimately responsible for when we're laying on our deathbed, looking back at our lives and feeling regret or feeling fulfilled. No one else. And that's why you're listening to this podcast, to take back control of your life. Our guest today is none other than Stephen Pesavento, a real estate entrepreneur, managing partner of Vaughn Finch Capital, and the host of the Investor Mindset Podcast. Stephen is a mindset master, and I can't wait to dig into this interview. Let's go. This is the Passive Income Attorney Podcast where you'll discover the secrets and strategies of the ultra-wealthy on how they build streams of passive income to give them the freedom we all want. Attorney Seth Bradley will help you end the cycle of trading your time for money so you can make money while you sleep. Start living the good life on your own terms. Now, here's your host, Seth Bradley. Steven Pasavento, what's going on, brother? Welcome to the show. Super excited to be here. Excited to dive into some great things, passive investing. Absolutely, brother. Well, let's get started. Uh, what's your story, man? Tell us a little bit about your background. Take it back as far as you want to. Yeah, yeah. Story. What a, what a wide direction we could go. But, you know, when I was a kid, I wanted to be one of two things growing up. I either wanted to be a chef like Emeril Lagasse, or I wanted to renovate houses or properties like Bob Vila. And, you know, I, I took a little bit different direction. I ended up uh, jumping into management consulting, had a successful career there before moving into technology. But eventually all that HGTV paid off as uh, I finally made my journey into real estate, flipped uh, over 75 houses that first year. Uh, that led to over 200 houses in two and a half years. And uh, eventually it led to a massive change in my business uh, because I recognized the importance of creating passive income. So I started out going down that traditional path and realized that commercial real estate and syndication and multifamily in particular was much more profitable and much more uh, fulfilling and a lot of great reasons we can talk through, uh, but made a huge change in the business. And, you know, today, Von Finch Capital, we focus on uh, helping passive investors add real estate to their portfolio. And we focus on value add type uh, investments, especially in the multifamily space, but we're not limited. 
Love it, man. Bob Vila. I hadn't heard that name for a long time. <laughs> a long time. That's a great pull there, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny because, you know, you think back as a kid kind of watching HGTV, sucking in all this information and watching Food Network and really looking at those people as as individuals who I wanted to model. And, you know, I grew up, you know, blue collar family. You know, mom was uh, trained as a teacher, but made more money waiting tables and uh, had a stepdad that owned a, a framing company. And by being surrounded by those folks, I ended up thinking to myself, well, heck, I would love to be a chef, but I realized very quickly that's not the lifestyle that I wanted to create. And so, you know, going the business route and seeing entrepreneurship as a pretty key direction, but not exactly knowing how to get there. Uh, you know, I went the traditional path of going and get an education, went to a great school, St. John's back in Minnesota. Uh, you know, after graduating, um, even though I had read Rich Dad Poor Dad at 17, I still just couldn't get myself to pull the trigger and buy my first property. I tried. I made offers on a ton of properties, but just never had that support or uh, that decisiveness to say, I'm going to do this. But, you know, a decade later, finally made the made the connection. Yeah, I can certainly relate to that, man. Blue collar background as well. W2 mindset, work hard, get the best job you can possibly get. As my listeners know I went through all the all the gamuts of of uh, medical school, MBA and, and law school before finally figuring out entrepreneurship. It's a big mindset shift to, to get over. Um, how were you able to get there? It sounds like you, you gave, it, gave it a shot. You started making offers on properties, but you didn't have that support system around you. Um, did you kind of go away from that for a while when you got into your W-2 or how did you kind of make those transitions back and forth? Yeah, I mean, the first property that I made offers on that I was pretty committed to buying was actually back in college, 2008. Not a great time to be buying property, but maybe it was the best time. But the bank didn't take me seriously. They took a lower offer from somebody else and uh, you know didn't have the opportunity to actually close on that. So kind of put that off, had a lot of opportunities that kind of came up over the way, but nothing ended up coming together. And, you know, when you go that traditional path and you think to yourself, Hey, I'm going to get an education. I'm going to go get this dream job and a dream career. And in business management consulting is that that's kind of the place where you want to go. Um, but I got into it. And I realized that there was kind of a lack of passion that people were in there and they were grinding and they're working hard. And I, I love that. But there was a lot of people who were just punching the clock and maybe some of the listeners can relate. Maybe they're surrounded by people who have a different mindset than them. But I started realizing that there was kind of that lack of passion. And I, I recall having it. I recall experiencing that before I got into that career. And I kind of went on this journey to search, to search for it and start getting introduced to different personal growth uh, leaders and reading different books and listening to different programs and started really shifting the way that I was thinking. But the biggest thing is, of course, it's power of proximity. Who are you going to put yourself around and who are you going to surround yourself with? And I had moved into the technology space, working in high growth startups and surrounding myself with people who believed that there was something more possible because they were essentially creating businesses out of thin air that would scale up to be either being billion dollar companies or going bust. And so you quickly shift that mindset out of the corporate world and into that of creating something bigger. And, but it really kind of came together for me when I made that decision to get into real estate. Yeah. Because yeah. Oh, sorry. Be, the, the reason, because all of a sudden you surround yourself with all these people who are super focused in believing that something bigger is possible and you're directly able to see the results in real assets right in front of you. 
Yeah, for sure. And, and then you, you made that decision to get into real estate. You got into fix and flipping. What about, you know, the fix and flipping in the residential space didn't really vibe with, with what your long-term goals were? Well, here's the funny thing, right? When I first was getting into this space, I read every book that I could get my hands on. I probably read uh, 65 or 70 books that year. It was just intense listening to audiobooks, reading books, just putting everything that I had in, listening to every podcast I put my hands on, listening to things at two and three times speed. Now, was I could, you know, retaining all the information? Probably not. But did I take away and change the way that I was thinking? Absolutely. And so the reason that I went the fix and flip route is because it's the route most of us believe is possible. It is a lower barrier to entry. And most people have lived in a house. So they understand what that would look like. And I remember reading a book, Ken McElroy's The ABCs of Investing, and it's all about uh, apartment investing. But I remember believing and thinking to myself, oh, I'd love to do that. That's actually where I want to go and what I want to do. But I don't believe it's possible. And that belief is what held me back from getting started you know, 10 years earlier. And it's what got uh, held me back from getting started in apartments. But it was because I was building this scaled business. You had 15 people were operating this business out of state. We're flipping houses in two different markets. We're building a real business. And we're making great money and we're working hard. And the thing that I ended up realizing though, and maybe some people can relate to this feeling is that I feel like I'm building something, but it's not in alignment with the future that I see for myself. I realized that I was building a business that it, in 20 years is not the business I want to be running, let alone in two years. And so I started understanding and trying to understand what other options were available within that business. How could I shift it? How could I make a change happen? And I started looking at, well, if I start holding on to more single family properties, well, instead of flipping them, maybe that's the option. I'm you know, buying seven to 10 houses a month. This could be phenomenal, great, great opportunity. Well, that wasn't it because it was hard to get properties that could actually cash flow because the market that we were in just, it didn't make as much sense. Even if we were in Raleigh, North Carolina, Minneapolis, like the margin just wasn't there. So I started looking at, okay, well, can I serve a different client that I'm currently serving? Because we were serving, you know, not my ideal client, which is successful entrepreneurs and executives and professionals like myself who are making a lot of money, but believe that there's a potential uh, opportunity to create a better life. Well, that wasn't the people that I was serving. And so I started trying to shift, okay, well, how can our business change? But I realized that the, the way to build the business that was going to serve long-term was to make a, a radical change. And so I realized that I was going to have to leave the business I was in to go to and create the business that I want to be in. So it was, a, it was a process. It was some time. It wasn't a snap of the fingers. We're done because we've got so much invested here. We want to be able to exit and sell off our assets and do things the right way. But it ended up leading us to this place where now we run a company where we're finding great properties and great opportunities and we're delivering exceptional returns and we've raised tens of millions of dollars. And, and we continue to work with people that we're really excited about introducing to and helping support in this space. And it's more fulfilling and it actually creates more passive income, which is the whole reason I got into this business. And it's why it's so critically important to know what you want and why you want it before you get started so you don't end up having to start over. Yeah, let's dive into that a little bit more. Let's, let's talk about that mindset shift. I mean, it sounds like you had a lot of introflection in, in and, and thinking to yourself and soul searching about, you know, trying to make that jump from single family to, let's say, a hundred unit apartment complex. How did you make that leap? 
Yeah, well, fortunately, I did what I recommend most people do was once I decided on the direction of building a house flipping company, um, I stuck to it. I didn't think about apartments. I didn't think about holding on to properties. I thought about this is the path we're going on and we're going to execute to the strategy. And we did that very well. But once we had that realization that commercial real estate with all of the benefits, which I'm happy to talk about separately, um, with all the benefits that it offers was the direction that we were going to go. It was a process of deciding what steps are we going to take and how quickly can we transition versus what are we going to end up sacrificing or losing by doing so. So over about a 12-month period, we started ramping down our marketing. We started cutting team members that weren't producing. We started really focusing on creating the highest profit margin business we could. And we ran that for the 12 months until we shut off of our marketing. And then we continued to serve those clients that were continuously coming in that are part of our database. And eventually we said, no more. We're making a hard switch and we went in, in this other direction. Now, is that the right option to go? For, for me and for our company, it absolutely was. For other people, they may want to take a more uh, tapered approach of continuing to run that other business. But I'm a big believer in focus. And so by being able to shift that focus, even in uh, you know, a changing market, even with uh, you know, changing uh, essentially industries, because residential to commercial, different industry, um, we uh, were able to make that shift happen very quickly because of the fact that we said, hey, we're going to go all in. And one of the things that's big in this commercial world is that it takes a long time to build that momentum. It's not as fast as a single family. You don't get that same uh, easy entry point. But what's great about that and why it's so critical to be partnered with experienced sponsors and work with people who have that track record of experience is that it takes forever to get going. And so you want to make sure you're betting on jockeys that have been in the game a really long time versus trying to you know, get started with maybe a newbie sponsor or something like that. Yeah, so let's we'll get into that maybe next, but let's talk about those benefits and, and what really drew you in to the commercial space as opposed to staying in the residential space where you had a lot of success. Um, what were some of those advantages that drew you into to the commercial space that made you say, "I've got to, I've got to make this transition." So for me, this was just like from a visual perspective, as a visual person, this was the thing that made it so clear to me um, was that when you have a property and you're buying it at a five cap. And just to explain, cap rate is a, a, a way of valuing the worth of a property, what one investor will pay in a market versus another for similar type asset. Different types of property in different neighborhoods and different cities will have different cap rates. And some say that it's a denomination of how much profit is there. It's somewhat true, but it's not exactly true. And so you really look at that as, we're going to compare apples to apples on these two different properties. If you're going to pay cash for them, what is someone going to pay? Right. So at a 5% cap rate, adding $1 of value or sorry, adding $1 of cash flow or income or removing $1 of expense increases the value of the property by $20. So $1 of increased income creates $20 of value. So in my world, after working in the house flipping space where value is determined based on other comparable properties alone, only based on what the property next door is worth and what the property down the street is worth. What is so amazing about commercial real estate is that it's based on the income. 
it's run as an actual business. And so what I can see with that is that if I can add, say, $330,000 a year in value, which is achievable by adding $87 per month per unit on a 288 unit property, I can create millions of dollars, $7 million of value in that example at a four and a half cap. I know I just threw a bunch of numbers out, but the point being is that the way that it's valued is based on income. And so that's a huge, huge game changer. The other big reason is economies of scale. As a, somebody who flipped 75 houses their first year uh, and built this business, I realized very quickly that in the single family space, we were hitting kind of a capacity place for the number of people and employees that we had, uh, for the way that we're funding, you can absolutely scale up, but it's very difficult to hit economies of scale in the single family space. And so in multifamily, you're instantly in an economies of scale or in any kind of commercial when you're buying larger properties. And what's great about that is you can bring on true experts to operate and manage these assets so that you as a passive investor can get all of the benefits of owning real estate without any of the downsides of being stuck managing the property. And as an operator, that's key because there's enough of the deal to go around to incentivize all of these different professional experts to be able to do their job really well and bring value to the team. And so those two pieces, along with building cash flow, the accelerated you know, uh, equity growth or accelerated growth of your net worth, um, the fact that the community is really full of professionals instead of a lot of amateurs, is just so appealing. And it all comes back to that idea of how can I build a business around my ideal client, other successful growth-minded uh, individuals. And it's just such a perfect fit because I literally have the opportunity to bring people anywhere between four to 12 deals per year, have the option for them to be able to invest and be able to see the type of returns that could happen, which impact their life while ended up impacting everyone that is part of the team. So it's just a much more powerful place. I love the idea of collaboration and the power of partnership. And really this business is built off of true partnership between those people who are operating and the passive investors who are bringing their capital. Yeah, it really is. And, and compared to a lot of industries where you learn the secret sauce and you don't share that with anybody in commercial real estate, it seems like it's an, everybody's an open book everybody wants to help each other out. Everybody wants to let's partner on a deal or, or you want to share your, you know, your deal with passive investors, bring them in. It's a team game. Whereas a lot of, again, industries are not like that. You don't want to share that secret sauce. You want to keep it tight to the vest and, and not put it out there for everybody to see. Yeah. There's a lot of people who are looking to help each other grow and succeed. Now there's competition and people within a specific market might want to keep certain things closer to their chest, different strategies closer to their chest. But there's so much support across the industry, both for people who are passively investing uh, to those who are active. And what it really gets me excited about it is that all of these people believe that you can create a better life, right? Believe that real estate can lead to more freedom, flexibility, and having a lot more fun. And that's just at the core right? Because when you're investing in a real asset, something you can see, you can touch, it's hedged against inflation. So what that means is as the dollar inflates, the value or the purchasing power goes down. So what's great about when that happens is that real estate rents typically go up because things get more expensive. So therefore rent goes up, which also brings up the value of the property. And it also brings the amount of equity 
uh, in your debt service down. So what does that all mean? It means that as inflation happens, it actually is an advantage for real estate. It makes the real estate that you're holding more valuable and less risky because the leverage that you have is reduced while your cash flow is actually going up. And so when you pair that with the tax benefits that are available nearly nowhere else other than through real estate and the fact that you're creating passive income consistently and you're growing that backend equity every single time you do a property that goes well, it's just a really great combination of these different levers that really create wealth for people. And the truth is, this stuff was not available to most successful people. It was not available to most everyday investors. It was available exclusively to the ultra wealthy and richest companies for a very long time. But it wasn't until late 2008, 2010, 11 timeframe that we started seeing this shift and with some new regulations that allowed us to be able to bring this to many more people. Yeah, the Jobs Act, it changed everything. It, it, it allowed you to solicit, advertise to, um, to investors, to people that wanted to invest, but maybe they didn't have the opportunity to, or they didn't even know about it. You had to be part of a country club or know somebody that knew somebody to be able to invest in these investments. But now, now they're available. Now you can find sponsors. You can invest in these deals that the ultra wealthy could only invest in before. Now, you know, every, everybody can get involved. They just have to, you know, get educated network and, and pull that trigger. Um, you had mentioned before about betting on the best jockey. Um, maybe dive into that a little bit. What do you mean by that? And, and what do you look for and how do you find them? Yeah. So what I mean by that is if you think about going out and you're going to play some bets, you're going to go do some horse racing. Maybe this is part of your culture, part of your family. You want to go have some fun and you're going out and you're going to, you know, play some bets on some horses. Are you going to bet on the horse that's expected to win? Or are you going to go bet on the jockey? Here's why I believe, and most people agree, you want to bet on the jockey over the horse is because unless you're an expert at individual horses and understanding the, the detailed intricacies that go into determining which horse is going to be the strongest, the best, the most likely to win in this specific race, in these specific set of circumstances, then you're going to want to bet on the operator, on the individual jockey that's going to be choosing what horse they're going to put their track record and expertise on the line for. That, those jockeys that have been in this space of horse racing for decades, they have experience. They know the details of which horses are going to have the best opportunity of winning. And the most experienced jockeys are going to specifically want to uh, only ride horses that they know they're going to have a high likelihood of winning. So that's why you want to align yourself and bet on the jockey over the horse, align yourself with great operators who have seven, 10, you know, multiple decades of experience. They can bring that to the table so that you have the lowest likelihood of any kind of risk and the highest likelihood of success because they're going to go out and find the best properties versus you trying to know all the details. You're just frankly not going to, but if you choose the right people to invest in, you're going to be in a better position. Steven, now are you saying we shouldn't be looking at the deals and the returns and the market or anything like that? We should be looking just at the sponsor? I'm saying that it's a trust but verify type situation. The truth is that if you dive into any underwriting on any deal, or you look at specifically the offer memorandum package, which most passive investors are going to do, you're not going to be able to know at the deal and detailed level 
if all of the assumptions that are being made are valid, unless you are an expert yourself in that individual sub-market that that individual deal is located in and an expert in the strategy, which unless you're in that position, uh, you will be at best making a wild guess or at, uh, at worst, um, you know, just shooting from the hip. Now you may be able to follow some best practices. You may be able to ask some questions. They're gonna help give you a little bit more insight on the thinking and thought process of that sponsor. But at the end of the day, if you take your time to vet and understand the operator that you're working with, teams like myself, like others that have a lot of experience and are assembling great teams with experience, then you're going to be in a much better position because those individuals are going to go out to that market. They're going to bring that expertise to go get a great deal. And then they're going to execute. Now, if you're an analytical person and you've taken the time to become an expert at underwriting and understanding the numbers, then you have an opportunity to take a look and understand, well, what are they doing? And does this align and seem like it's in alignment with what I believe they should be doing? Now, be careful there, unless you're truly an expert, uh, in making a decision that they're doing something wrong. Um, but with that said, I always recommend double check the numbers, double check the information. But at the end of the day, you're really going to be betting that this operator and this sponsor team is going to be able to execute and deliver what they're projecting. And if you don't believe that, you shouldn't be investing. And so anything else that you're going to do on top of that from your due diligence standpoint, which is important, we have a whole process we do at our company whenever bringing on different team members for this exact purpose. But whatever you're going to do is going to come down to validating and verifying what you already believe to be true about that sponsor. Yeah. And the, that's the beautiful thing about passive investing is being able to rely on the experts, being able to rely on those folks that have the decades or years of experience doing this, you know, whether they're investing in multifamily or self-storage or mobile home parks or, you know, senior living, anything like that, you can find teams that already know those industries better than you're ever going to know them, no matter how much you educate yourself, because they've already got the years of experience. As a passive investor, you can go and rely on them and their experience, their expertise and invest intelligently. Yeah, I think it's really, it's a really great point because the truth is I've seen some of my friends, some of my loved ones make investments passively in syndications without talking to me as an expert. And after the fact, looking at the deal, looking at the opportunity and me saying, I can already quickly tell that I don't like what I'm seeing. Um, but that's because I have that experience and they made a very quick decision to invest with a sponsor based on a couple pieces of information but they didn't have a long-term relationship. They didn't look at the track record of the team. They didn't understand what their capabilities had been. And they just didn't understand a lot about the space. That doesn't mean that you need to be an expert. What it does mean is that just spend a little bit of time to really get to know the people ahead of the deal so that you can be in that position to say, yes, this is something I feel comfortable with. And even for those people that I'm referencing that made a few investments, they're not bad investments. They weren't, they weren't uh, deals that they're probably going to lose out on. They're just, as an expert, I can look at that and say, I would have probably liked this to be different or that to be different or this to be different. And you learn that over time. So the most important thing is to build that relationship, but then get started because you're not going to know what I know until you've actually done some deals. 
for sure. The learning never stops. I mean, you're always going to get better. You're going to learn more. The more people you talk to, the more things you learn, the, the better you're going to be at it, making these investments more and more intelligently. But you do need to take that, take that jump at some point and just pull the trigger and take action. Um, let's switch gears just a little bit. I want to jump into to mindset. I know that's really your bread and butter. And I've heard you talk about this on other podcasts. So what, what are the five success principles of top real estate investors? Yeah, well, just based on the time, I don't want to touch on all five of them, but I do want to okay. give you guys one or two that's going to be really valuable. And I'll give you a resource as well called the five success principles, which you guys can dive into on your own and you'll be able to run with. There's some exercises in there that'll make a huge impact. But one of the first and most important of these success principles, and I'm going to let you know ahead of time that mindset isn't the catch-all to everything, but it's a key foundational piece because mindset is the thoughts and beliefs that we hold that end up leading to the actions we take and therefore the outcomes we experience. So if you're successful already, you probably are thinking uh, in a really positive way in some areas of your life. But the truth is what's great about mindset is that if you change those thoughts and beliefs, you can change the actions you take and therefore the outcomes you experience, right? You can change the way that you're experiencing your life and you can start to take on new possibilities, just like you are thinking about investing right now. You're opening up a, a new set of beliefs to seeing real estate as a possibility. And one of the key things that I noticed after interviewing and working with uh, hundreds of successful entrepreneurs is that one of the things that all of them do is that they see challenges as opportunities, meaning they see the difficult things that are going on or happening in their life or out in the world as an opportunity that, which means that they're actually, they're not running away from those. They're not running away from a failure. They're not running away from that challenge. They're actually running to it because they see that something great can come out of it, right? Problems are profit. So when there's a problem out in the world, when you're, there's a problem in your relationship, when there's a problem in your business, it's an opportunity for you to make a shift happen and to grow in that space. And you can see this to be so true, especially within real estate, because we buy value add real estate. And what does that mean? That means we see the current challenge the owner is dealing with, the, the condition of the property, where things are at, we see where it can go to. We can see what that future state looks like. And we can see that opportunity and the profit we make is in between. The profit is that spread in between of where things are to where they're going to go. And the same is true with whatever challenge you're dealing with in your life. Maybe it's an opportunity for you to grow stronger. Maybe it's an opportunity to show up better in your relationships or in your career, whatever that might be. But it's one of the key things that all of these successful people do, they don't let that fact that something's challenging or a problem hold them back from taking steps forward. In other words, it's the same as we were just speaking about a minute ago. Needing to understand all of the details of investment, that's a problem. Needing to understand what are some of the key things for you to learn, to identify great sponsors, to get involved in deals, great opportunity. What's the upside of that opportunity? The fact that now you're investing in deals that are making 12 to 20% returns uh, that are in stable assets over investing in uh, you know, paper assets in the stock market. Huge shift there. Yeah, that's absolute gold, man. If they want to grab a copy of the five success principles, lessons learned from 100 uh, plus successful entrepreneurs, you guys can grab that at investormindset.com slash success. Just investormindset.com slash success. 
and you can download it totally complimentary, but it's a deep dive. It will dive into the other four success principles, which include getting clear and how you can actually start applying this directly in your life today. Awesome, man. Appreciate that. We'll throw that in the show notes. Uh, let's jump into the freedom four. It's time for the freedom four. What's the best thing you do to keep your mind and body healthy? Yeah. So uh, I do what I call my forever four. It's my forever four habits that I'm committed to doing forever because at the core, they end up shifting the way that I show up in the world. The, the, the four R, the four M's are move, meditate, mindset, and map. And so what that means is moving for at least five minutes a day, typically 20 or 30, but I'm committing to a movement for a minimum amount of time to meditate for at least five minutes. Now, typically it's 10 to 20 minutes um, to listen to some mindset, some content that's going to help change my way of thinking. That's going to help support some of the new beliefs and habits that I'm looking to bring into my life to help me think about things in a more powerful and pro progressive way. And then finally to map my day, to actually sit down, look at my goals, the things that I want to achieve, what's most important and map out what are those three most important things, make sure they're on my calendar and then get to work knocking out those three most important things first before moving on to all the other things that pop up day to day. That's perfect, man. With all your success, what is one limiting belief that you've crushed along the way and how did you overcome it? Yeah. I mean, one of the big limiting beliefs was just believing that it was possible for me to get invested in real estate. And I grew up, like I mentioned, in you know, blue collar family and you know, wasn't a lot of money around. And so I had this belief that, you know, I didn't have enough experience or I didn't have the right connections or I didn't have, you know, a family with a bunch of money to invest in these opportunities. So I just thought I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. And I shifted that belief. I got surrounded by some people who I saw were creating great income, great wealth, and they were investing passively or actively. And it's been able to shift my whole belief. And in return, I've shifted a lot of people's beliefs as a result. Nice. What's one actionable step our listeners can take right now to start creating more freedom for themselves? Yeah, I think you guys want to sit down and get clear on what you want and why you want it. So getting clear on what you want, what's important to you. Um, what does that end state goal look like? If you're trying to get make this your business, you can map out what that looks like. If you're trying to make this replace all of your income, so you have more freedom and flexibility and fun, you can understand what that looks like. And then the why is really the fuel. And so we talk about that in the success principles, but if you're looking to go down that passive route, I highly encourage you get educated. Uh, and we've got a great resource. It's a 52 page passive investor playbook. It's full of some tools that are going to help you be able to better vet sponsors. And most importantly, get clear on what kind of deals you're looking for. So you can grab that at investormindset.com slash passive. You can just download it right on the website, super easy. And uh, I know you guys will get a lot from it too. Nice. Thanks for sharing that, man. How has passive income made your life better? Yeah, passive income gives you the ability to create options, opportunities to do things differently and not necessarily have to do work every single day if you don't want to. Now, most people end up working twice as hard uh, and having twice as much more fun during the process, but uh, it gives you the option to do whatever you want. I think that's the best piece of it. Steven, it's been fantastic, brother. Thanks for coming on the show. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Yeah, if you liked what we talked about today, we talk about it twice a week 
on the Investor Mindset Podcast, diving into all things passive real estate investing and how to shift your mindset to have the investor mindset to really think from an ROI perspective. And you can grab that on any of your favorite podcasting apps. Head over to InvestorMindset.com to learn more about us, find out about some of our investing opportunities with Von Finch. And then if you're looking to reach out directly to me, hit me up on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, at Steven.Pesavento and uh, shoot me a little DM. Let me know you came from here and someone from my team will put us in touch and be able to help deliver some value in whatever you need. All right, brother. Thanks again. Mr. Steven Pesavento, ladies and gentlemen. Man, he's got tons of knowledge to share. I love his content. Love his show. Give it a listen for sure. Again, it's the Investor Mindset Podcast. All right. Major key. Some people tend to think about mindset as a little rah-rah or even unnecessary and want to just dive straight into the mechanics and the how-to. But if you don't get your mindset right, you're never going to get where you want to go. Take some time to dig deep and discover your why. Think about what drives you and what you'll need mentally to succeed. Accountability, determination, discipline. It's not going to be easy to do more than your peers are doing. But if you want to get farther than they will ever get, you'll need to get your mental ducks in a row. All right, let's start buying back some of that precious time, guys. If you're interested in partnering with us on our next passive real estate deal, go to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com and join our Esquire Passive Investor Club. Until next time, folks, enjoy the journey. Thank you for listening to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast with Seth Bradley. Do you want more ideas on how to generate multiple streams of passive income? Then jump over to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com for show notes and resources. Then apply for the private Facebook community by searching for the Passive Income Attorney on Facebook. And we'll see you on the next episode.